Hello Velo Travelers, this is Paul and this is episode 4 of the Wayfarer Pedalcast, a podcast where I waffle on about bicycle touring and other stuff. This is the second of two interviews I recorded while participating in the great annual bicycle adventure along the Wisconsin River. This interview is with Jorge Crespo, the official grab bar bicycle mechanic. Once again, I apologize for the poor audio quality of the interview. The room where I recorded the interview was a bit echoey, and to be honest, I am a no-talent amateur audio hack. But I think the content is worth the effort, so please enjoy. I call this Episode 4, Grab Bar, the Philosopher Mechanic. Start out by introducing yourself. My name is Jorge Crespo. And uh, you're the official mechanic for this trip? Yes, I'm official mechanic, bicycle support mechanic, yeah. So how long have you been supporting Bike Wisconsin, Bike Illinois? This is the first event. Oh, the first event. Mm-hmm. So how has it gone so far for you? It's, a, it's exactly what I thought it would be. That's what it was. It's an assessment. This, 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 this trip and this uh, is me just assessing uh, the ride itself and everything that entails the riders. It's going to help me make decisions later on uh, in terms of uh, how to prepare for this. The most important thing for me is to be able to provide a service, right? I naturally help people, and I enjoy helping people. More importantly, they make a difference. It has a purpose, and, you know, and, and the plus is that I happen to sometimes make money out of it, so I can continue to do good and to help people out. You're based out of Chicago, right? Yes. So do you run a shop there or no. you just do no. this as no, a freelance never, thing? This is something that he uh, just came out of nowhere in a sense. Uh, the way this worked was that he was emailing bike shops. And I know people in bike shops. And he was emailing people in bike shops asking for mechanics to see if they want to come on board and tag along. And so I responded to it and instead and came up with the concept that entails not just have a mechanic hang out and hopefully he gets some repairs, but how about we develop a service that people can pay into that provides all of these benefits so that they can have peace of mind. Why don't you explain a little bit the the concept? The concept of the service? Yeah. Okay. um, They'll pay a fee, right? And with that fee, they get uh, full road support from start to finish. So that's the riders that pay the, the fee. The riders themselves. So you get a mechanic that's going to be there to support and help you along the way. So the mechanic and during the ride from start to finish. So for the duration of whatever of the event. So if it's a multiple day event, every single day, that mechanic, myself, is going to be there to ensure that you that should you have any issues, right? that I will go there and I will help you and service the bike to make sure that you continue to be on the road. So any repairs, on emergency repairs, flat changes, stuff of that nature. Okay. And then on top of that, I will provide, you know, I you have access to, later on, there's going to be access to other things such as loaner bikes, possibly loaner wheels, you know, as part of the program. But the basic setup is me providing support for them. So, you know, and that's what that is. Now, at the end of each day, well, it starts with an inspection the first time around. You know, people who sign up, 
I will do an inspection and assessment, talk to them, right? And have a game plan based on their bike, the condition, the type of what they're going to do so that I know exactly what it is that I'm dealing with. So I know what the bikes are, what the quirks are and everything else. So anything that comes up, I can address it right there on the spot. So it starts with the um, inspection, the assessment. And once that happens, then you, you know, execute the plan. They go right and I go along with them on the rock from start to finish Okay. to make sure that they're okay. So this time around, how many people signed up for the service? Um, the announcement was a little bit late. So. Everything was late. So no one signed up for the service. Okay. <laughs> no, no, nobody signed up for the service. So the reason that I came here was not because I was hoping to make money. The reason I came here is because I made a commitment to it because I am committed and to be committed means you have to make the effort and you have to do everything you can. So how am I going to know what it is that I'm going to get myself into, what, what it entails, unless I get involved, right? right? So I have to be here to see it, to see how everything works so that I can get a better understanding so I know how to go about executing you know, what it is that I need to do. I'm not new to this, per se. Um, I've done, I'm a cyclist, lifelong cyclist. I've done century rides. I've done multiple day rides. So I understand the concept. I know what it entails as a cyclist. Like all the, everything that I've seen is what I've already expected. So there was no assumptions or speculation. I expected a certain way of being with cyclists that are seasoned, that do this all the time. Yeah. And it's exactly as I thought it would be. So there were no surprises. No, no surprises. Yeah, okay. All it was was confirming what I knew so that now I can go and it has, has to be viable and has to be right. realistic, right? So what kind of problems have you seen on the road so far? The only issues that I've seen every once in a while is a flat, right? And uh, other than that, no, not, nothing big, nothing crazy at all. People, uh, inex- riders, riders that are inexperienced when it comes to how to ride a bike in terms of shifting gears and proper technique, right? So those are the only issues where they're just struggling, right? And the good thing about it is that they get to pick my brain. They come and ask me, and I, I, take, it, I uh, take it upon myself to make sure I can educate people because I'm in a position where I'm able to do so because I happen to have the knowledge and the experience, you know, from her like everybody else. I had to start somewhere too, right? And uh, it's based on personal experience. It's based on what I've seen and uh, years. So I'm able to guide them and I'm able to help them, right? And, I'm, and not only do I do that, I follow through and, I, and I'm there along the way to ensure. I'm checking on them, constantly checking on them, nonstop, to make sure. And uh, even... And I'm always watching and seeing things and assessing things. It's a natural thing for me to mechanically always, no matter where I go, I'm subconsciously, without realizing, diagnosing all sorts of stuff, cars, bikes, whatever. So when I see things that are out of whack, I let them know, like quick releases. You know, one of the biggest issues, people with the quick releases pointing down or the quick releases are loose, you know? And so it's a matter of safety. It's a matter of ethics. I have a certain set of ethics, you know? That was instilled for me from my mentors, mechanics that were 20, 30 years in the industry when I started when I was 17 years old. And they instilled a certain set of rules and standards that you have to uphold regardless. And so I take that very seriously. You know, I take pride in what I do. I take that sort of thing seriously. People's lives, it may be a bicycle, right? But it's a bicycle that if it fails in the middle of an intersection with semis coming around, that's a person's life, right? 
Right, right. And if that that person, everybody else around them, you know? And so that's what it is. It's not so much that they've had difficulty. I don't expect mechanical, you know, difficulty per se, mechanically, like bikes breaking apart or anything like that per se, because most of these guys are experienced mechanic, experienced riders, right? They have their groups. They This is not their first rodeo. A lot of times they have the shops service the bikes or they have newer bikes, right? And and that's it, you know, and then they just make it through. So it's up to me. The whole purpose of this program, of this service, is peace of mind above all. Hmm. The fact that they know that there's somebody there that has their back, right, should that need arise. And so their focus is solely going to be their bike, that they're right. That's one last thing that they worry about. And it's not just the guys, it's the ladies above all, you know, because they are getting into a sport and they, 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 they're capable, 100% capable, right? But some of them are just starting out. And that's not something that they do normally, right? Like their, their relative, sister, husband, father, whatever, they're doing it, right? So they just take it up for health or benefits. It's a new thing. They're not familiar. No one has taken the time to properly teach them and show them how to ride a bicycle. It's not a sexist thing in any way or form. Boys are always, you know, since forever, boys ride bicycles more than girls. They kill themselves. They fall. They break stuff. They make all the mistakes and everything like that, right? And that's the reality, not, you know, and it's young ladies and girls take it up later in life. Yeah, a lot of girls do it when they're young, too, but the majority have always been boys, right? So they learn the hard way. So nothing phases them, and, you know, they really have a good idea. But, but women, more than anything, because there's a new demographic, and they're getting into it, you know, a lot more, right? And guys, shops tend to mansplain things to them, like they do in the car dealership, the same thing. And then they send them out into the wilderness, right? Mm. To fend off with nothing but uh, with a, a lighter and, you know, a, a, a roll of duct tape, right? For example. Mm. And so they go out there and they don't realize how the system, how, you know, how to operate the bike. And then they suffer. You know, especially in a long ride like this where you have hills and obstacles and that stuff, right? Mm. So... I'm just glad that in this situation, I was able to help them. And that's and here's the other thing, too. When a person asks a question, and when I'm educating a person, there are other people who may not have thought about it, right? And when they hear me explain things and go through the process and see what's going on, they themselves realize, wait a minute. So are you telling me that I have also been doing things <laughs> the wrong way? That maybe I should check my tires? Maybe I should check my skewers, you know? And then they'll come and ask me, I heard you said so-and-so, whatever. So what do you mean by that? What, what, what was... So I got another question for you. Somebody's going to ride, do one of these rides for the first time, maybe not grab bar, but maybe some other multi-day ride. What kind of advice would you give them to prepare their bike before the ride starts? Oh, okay. I've, I ask, first of all, I got to look at the bike. That's number one. But even if I don't see the bike, make sure that the bike is in perfect working order. That's number one. Um, take it to a shop, have the shop assess it, have the shop tune and service the bike. So long as if it's a bike that's worth, you know, you know, worth fix a, a proper bike, like an actual bike, not a, you know, what I'm talking about, like normal bikes, like a regular road bike, something that comes out of a bike shop, right? So if it's a bike that is meant to be used for that purpose, right? Then whether it's a hybrid, mountain bike, or whatever, that it's meant to be used for that purpose. A proper bike. Take it to a shop and do a full tune-up, service, assessment, everything. Get it out of the way. That's number one. 
And as soon as that gets done, take the bike out and ride it so that you so that you can ride it and get used to it so that any issues that come along the way prior to the ride, you can go back and they can take care of. Especially if you're putting new tires, new tubes, which I would recommend. Not knowing what the... Assuming that the tires and tubes are old and stuff like that. So new tires, new tubes, if necessary, cables, if necessary, a new chain or dry frame cleanup, new brake pads. What, clean the bike, wash it, make sure everything's fine. Make sure you have a, a good saddle, good grips or bar tape. That's number two. Make sure the bike fits you properly, that you're comfortable on the bike. Then do whatever you can to get a different a bike that's going to fit you one way or another. Mm. And uh, But the key to something like that is that you don't do it at the last minute. You don't do it uh, two weeks before, a month before, that you decide you're going to get other stuff over. It's a, it's a commitment, especially when there's money involved, and that's the effort. And so you should have done that six months ago to work out the bugs. And if you, work, if you live in cold climates, right, don't wait till spring and then have the bike clean and taken care of, right? But in the meantime, if you need to use it in winter, use it in winter, you know? Or just prepare. Get, every, get, get everything in order, ready to go. So when it's time to do so, it goes, it gets taken care of. And then you have a, a, a time, a period where you can ride it, assess it, get used to it, learn it. And then that's it. The bike is worn in, it's broken in, it's ready to go. And you should have no issues. You should have peace of mind. That's number one. Number two, inner tubes, obviously, right? That's another thing. With bikes that are uh, tandems, for example, specialty bikes, bikes that are not, you know, you can't have. If you have a tandem, anything that's special out of the ordinary, have spares. If the cables, if it's a tandem and it has long, long cables, right? Have extra cables. Have, uh, if you have specific tires and tubes, have an extra tire, two tires. And then you can have three, you know, two, two tires, four tubes or so, especially when they're packing your stuff up, right? Get a proper air pump. Not a little thing. There's, there's, there's real cool air pumps that do the job or get a full-size pump, whatever, you know? But get a proper pump that's actually going to do the job when you're out on the, on the road. No CO2 cartridges, no gimmicks, no nothing. Okay? And that's, that's, that's the most important thing. Prep the bike, get the bike ready, make sure the bike fits your specific need, that you're used to riding a road. If you ride road bikes, ride a road bike. If you've always been riding mountain bikes, then stick to the mountain bike. But set the mountain bike up properly for what you're going to do. Right. Tire selection is key, right? And everything else that I mentioned above, right? Now, that's on the bike side. Now, the next thing is the person itself, right? Do not cut corners when it comes to clothing. And the most important thing, two things are very important. That's two very important things. Number one is your shorts. And number two is your shoes. You have to be practical. Practical. Shoes need to be practical. If you're not an elite road cyclist and a triathlete, and you, but you need and you want to have clipless pedals for efficiency, if you ride that, right, then use mountain bike shoes with mountain bike pedals. That makes it easy for you to clip them on either side, and you can walk around no problem, especially if you have to get off the bike in an emergency, walk, gravel, whatever, peace of mind, protects your, you know, doesn't wear out as fast or anything like that. That's number one. Comfortable shoes. Do not skimp on shoes that are comfortable. Spend the money on the shoes. Okay? Socks. Spend the money on the socks. Your shorts. Spend the money on proper shorts. Shorts that have like multiple panels with the seams. 
that are expensive, but they do the job. The shirt or jerseys, that doesn't mean anything. Because the shorts are what you're sitting on with the saddle, it's the padding, and that's what, you know, keeps you cool and protected and comfortable. So your shoes, your shorts, we already talked about the saddle, a proper saddle, right? And then the shoes, shorts, and if you wear gloves, proper gloves, the right gloves. And then the last thing on top of that, because the jersey, any jersey will do, is the helmet. Pick, uh, don't get helmets that are light or whatever. I mean, uh, cheap helmets. Invest in the helmet. The lighter and more efficient the helmet is, the better. Because the lighter it is, that's less weight and strain on your shoulders and your neck. That's number one. And because it's a lot lighter and higher end, it'll flow more efficiently in terms of the air that comes in and the exhaust that comes out. Because when the sun is beating on you and you got super heavy crosswinds, the one thing that's getting beaten up is your face and your head, right? And you don't need all that sweat coming down to mess up your getting your eyes and getting your glasses and everything that goes with that. So there's three, three items, your shoe, four items, your shoes, your gloves, your shorts, right? Your gloves, and then your, your helmet. Right? Right. And then do your research on your right. Do research on the right. You know, so that you know what you're going to look at, what the probabilities are, what on average, what will you face, right? So if it's a ride that is always, always uh, rainy or whatever, then you have your rain gear. Have proper rain gear and learn how to layer up. Learn all those techniques. Do your research. Learn from people, you know. Make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but, but at least, you know, you... You prepare yourself for every contingency just in case this happens. Because the worst thing you can do is be unprepared and you're completely freezing and miserable because it's absolute hell when you get caught in some sort of rain that's freezing rain and the winds are killing you. Your chest is burning. Your hands are trembling. And when you get out of rest, you're shivering because you're going like crazy. That's the worst thing in the world that you can mm. do. And it's no fun. No, it's no fun. Mm. So if you can't understand survival tricks when it comes to that sort of thing and things that can help you that you don't have to be like a overstuffed with 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 clothing and stuff like that there's simple techniques that you can do the simplest of them all is layering up with thin layers but that you're doing it in a way that you're strategic when it comes to the the parts that matter the most when we're talking about now we're, we're going into right you know regulating body temperature and stuff too because i was talking about clothing right the most important thing, I don't, that the reason I don't emphasize too much on the jersey, because the jersey, you know, your core is your chest and everything that goes with that, right? You can do everything from buying proper jackets and shells that are out there that are very efficient from, from reliable, from reputable manufacturers, right? To something as simple as having, a, like I did as a messenger in downtown Chicago in the winters with sub-zero degree and below 50, below 20 windshields and stuff. I never liked to be bulky. I never packed up jackets or anything like that, for example. What I did was I needed to be comfortable. And one of the things that I did was I would wear a thermal tight that went down, my cycling shorts, tights that went all the way down with a panel that blocks the wind, and then I had a regular set of shorts on top. And then for my, for my uppers, what I had was a thermal shirt, a jersey that was on top of that, and I had, and sometimes I had in a regular shirt on top, but between the jersey and the thermal shirt, I had two or three pages, like newspaper mm. in between. Because the newspaper was perfect light, it forms perfect for insulation, and it blocked the wind. Mm. And it did not restrict any movement, and it was cost effective. 
I didn't have to go spend a lot of money on something, you know. And it was, and that was it. That was my specific need. Right. So there's a lot of little things that you can do, you know. That's that's real good advice. Yeah. So is it somebody wants to hire you to do one of these events, or maybe they're in the Chicago and they want you to look at their bike? How can they reach you? They can call me on my cell phone, which is you know cell phone, Facebook, and uh, email. So what's your email address? Then? My email. We can go under Mobzilla dot com mobzilla at gmail dot, dot com okay. that's the easiest one <laughs> okay all right and in your facebook page is it's under jorge crespo which you know j-o-r-g-e c-r-e-e c-r-e-e-s-p-o okay and i'm in chicago and uh my it's, it should say that my job occupation is that of a stand-up philosopher <laughs> yeah so that would be in there but uh stand-up bicycle make yeah mechanic stand-up philosopher. philosopher that comes out of mel brooks history of the world so if anybody wants to see the movie it's pretty cool but uh they can do that and i can give out my phone number too if you'd like me to do so 773-441-9999 and uh, what it is, um, I do house calls. I uh, meet with people. I do assessments. I talk to them. I do everything and make sure that they know exactly what they're looking at before they make any decisions. There is no pressure. Mm, I don't worry about making, you know, the, you know uh, it's not always about dollars and cents, you know. That is something that just comes with whatever it is. So the most important thing is being able, making sure that I can take care of people, making sure people know what, what, what they're, they're educated, know what they're getting themselves into. So when they're ready to make a sound decision, I can go ahead and execute and make it happen for them, you know? Okay. So, Thank you very much, Jorge. It's a pleasure. Thank you. I am back for another one of my sterling outros. I hope you found the discussion with Jorge interesting and useful. I know that, for my part, I wish I'd followed Jorge's advice about preparing my bicycle for the tour. If you liked this interview and you'd like to hear more of them, please drop me a line and let me know. If you want to read and see more about my GrabR story, you should point your browser to www.wayfair.bike where you'll find links to videos and blogs. I will put all the links you will ever need in the show notes for this episode and the description. Please let me know what you think of the podcast by leaving a comment at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your audio adventures from. Coming up next on the Pedalcast, I will start a mini-series of shows about my tour along the Mekong River in Vietnam and Cambodia, and I promise that the audio quality will be a little bit better. In the meantime, please air up your tires, lube your chain, and check your brakes. Stay safe on the road until we meet again. Thank you. Thank you.